Welcome to the pod, everyone. A shout out to SGS. Hey, Rusty, why are we uh, partnering with SGS? Uh, uh, some, some, some good people there. Pretty excited about their sports coaching courses and sports courses. Keen to make them industry ready so when people leave, they're able to go and transfer it to any kind of industries, coaching, teaching, being an analyst, business, whatever it might be. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting times, really. So what's so special about their degree courses that others won't be doing? I think it'll be lots of uh, real good partnerships, uh, opportunities for people to, to get into different contexts and learn and practice. It'll be feel very applied. People will be stretched and supported and will leave you know, ready to just go and thrive in the uh, big old world out there. SGS College is the home of Bristol's higher education sports programmes. The programmes are designed to develop unique, innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry. Do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future? Start your journey here at SGS College and become more than just a graduate. Visit sgscol.ac.uk Amy Price, you are back on the pod. It is 2020. We were supposed to do this (laughs) midway through 2019 uh, yeah you've been getting high sleep scores on your fitbit um <laughs> how are you doing happy new year yeah we've uh we've had a few uh <laughs> cancellations haven't we over the last year <laughs> but no it's been good um yeah i've had uh, lots of sleep over christmas i was just saying to rusty before we went on before we went live about that's probably my highlight of christmas is my high sleep scores on my fitbit and playing on the Nintendo DS with your 12-year-old brother, which we will talk about as well. Yeah. Um, so um, for anyone that hasn't heard before, do you want to give a quick, uh, a quick recount of uh, who you are, where you come from, what you do? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, I guess football is my like, sort of main uh, thing. Um, football coaching um, was previously at St Mary's University um, doing some lecturing and I've kind of just changed career in the last 12 months where I've kind of gone more into coach development as opposed to like higher education with the FA uh, specifically in the women's game Um, so supporting coaches uh, in the women's super league championship national league and the um, the age groups sort of the youth age groups as well within those clubs so, which I'm loving, by the way, it's this completely different challenge for yeah. me, which has been, which has been good. So, um, lots of driving, lots of hotels. However, I would imagine lots of thankful people that are learning lots off you, and uh, and, and 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 hence you needing to sleep over Christmas because you end up giving a lot of energy <laughs> to other people. That's my. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think I definitely agree with the driving part. I think that kind of like I had no idea what I was letting myself in for with the driving all over well you're used to, that's what you do but I wasn't used to that and I like my sleep um so yeah just a lot of driving um yeah it's been interesting like working within the clubs as well because I guess something that struck me is just how different everyone does stuff and I, I knew that but I but where I was working before at a university I think it's quite enclosed to some extent because you don't really get out and about and see practitioners work as much Whereas now I'm just always with coaches. Um, so it's like mind boggling just to think of all the different ways we could be coaching um, and just how people look at things so differently to each other. 
yeah, a couple of things. Uh, one is so Sam Meek, who works for the FA as well now, was coaching at Aston Villa, and he said exactly the same. He said, you know, you're in your bubble, you think, you think you're killing it, and he's like, I've come out and I've seen some stuff that I didn't think was possible. He said, yeah, yeah, exactly. the clubs will say, oh, do you want to coach the under 18s? He's like, no, I want to hang out with the under under 10s because yeah, yeah, are doing yeah. some cool stuff. So uh, yeah. Uh, and the second thing, and I was at Nags the other day, and it just made me realise, like, so I've been talking a lot about, and we're going to definitely go on to the gamification stuff around, you know, as coaches, we control practice design and your coaching behaviours, but we could just, you know, I could have a piece of paper that's a lesson plan, a session plan, you could have the same one, and we were both interpreted completely differently, and if I said to you, well, what coaching skills do you think you're going to use, you might say some different stuff to me, so it's... Uh, now that's the cool stuff about coaching isn't it that there's uh it's, it's actually like madness to think any one session delivered by any one coach to any one group of players could look there's an infinite number of ways that could actually look and that's the thing that's like <clears throat> blown my mind in this job is like i came in like i guess when you're with, when i was in my previous role like within the university you you become quite um, set. You, you you have the the maybe the danger is that you become become set on certain beliefs or certain ways of thinking how things should be done because you don't necessarily um, go out and about enough, uh, which I tried to do, which I did do, but not not to the extent what I'm doing now. And um, when you do like now, I'm just like that. This is what I find me as a coach developer is like. I'm just someone coming in and just watching some people coach and chatting with them about it. Like the impact that you can have as a coach developer, I think is just, is, is actually really quite minimal because, and quite subtle because actually it's just so, so many things, so many ways to do stuff that, you know, does that make sense? It's just like, I'm just the person coming in and watching some people coach, you know? Yeah, look, I, I, I think um, it, it sometimes can be like that. I definitely think you could have... Uh, look, there's so many different factors to consider. You go into someone's environment as an example, if or you work with a coach. If they're assistant coach, then you're, they're probably going to, you know, and, and their head coach is, is thinking completely differently to them, then it's going to be harder for them to, to change what they do. And I, and I see lots of that, quite frankly, and they've probably got to iterate a little bit more slowly and subtly. Um, I, yeah, I think we, you, you. I think you probably underestimate the impact you're having. Uh, lots of it would be transformational. You've definitely completely transformed my world in the last eight months. So it, it's not. It's not subtle. I can assure you. Um, <laughs> and so I now get really agitate. You know, I watch a session now and go, well, you know, there's no problems for them to solve. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, where's the, where's the, where's the problem solving? Where's the, where's the pauses? What's going on? Um, yeah. So I've probably, you know, and and and, it, and and in terms of that again, it's also the, I guess a lot of people we work with, you know, you might see a, a Sunday morning rugby dad who coaches forty hours a year. So that's very different to someone who's coaching regularly and has mm. people who work with them that can support them in their context. And so with those people, you, you may well just be giving them little nudges. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably where like this role is taking me. It's, it's like coaches who are 
like either full-time coaches or sort of coaching at least three to four times a week um and also just like I, I get like I definitely find myself observing a session and one of the first things I look at is problems as in like what problems have been set by the coach who's solving them how are they being solved like how important is that to the coach in terms of how they interact with the players but on the flip side I do also think that's my bias coming in and that's me like that's because I'm really passionate about some of the video game principles and theories. However, how often do you play a match where you don't know what the opposition are going to do exactly? All every, the time. Every week. Yeah. How often, <laughs> how often do people train like that? Very, very minimally. So actually, there's, they're not giving them the problems that the game will give them in training often enough, in my opinion. And I, I get that it's your bias, but it's the, it's the reality of the match. So... You know, you'll have watched football games. I'll have watched rugby games. In the, I watched some games at the, the weekend or the weekend before where, um, as an example, so I think Bristol were playing against Wasps and Fekitoa just steps up in defence and so he closes off what Bristol normally do. And I think they struggled to solve that problem in the match. Um, they probably looked at it on review and then adapted, but it's too late by then. Mm. Uh, I'm sure that's happening in football all the time where someone changes a formation or, you know, and actually the opposition go, oh, okay, we've not seen that picture before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I personally, I think often if I go back to coaching, um, if I was to take on a full-time coaching role, I think, oh, I wonder what my coaching would look like now, now that I've seen so many coaches work. And now that I've looked even more further into this whole video game stuff, I wonder what kind of coach I'd look like now. What would be different? Oh, it, you think what would have changed in um, the six months? Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you a bit of a. Uh, I was going to post a video on magic from me coaching about eight months ago, and I was too embarrassed to put it up. <laughs> uh, and that's the reality, though, isn't it? You would still, you know, you'd look back and go, "Oh, God Almighty!" Um, yeah, but do you know what? Personally, from like, this might sound weird, but like my personal journey is that I started off being. I believe way too gamey. Like I was just obsessed with game design. I was obsessed with game-centered approaches. I was obsessed with all, all uh, TGFU teaching games for understanding. Blah blah blah. And then I went through a phase where I was like being challenged on that, where people were saying, "But why?" Who Is challenged that you? Best method? Challenged you? Sorry. Who challenged you on it? A range of people. So like, really, it came came through during my um at one particular club that I was working at who where the uh, technical director his preference wasn't necessarily games it was more technical first yeah um and then following that it was just through my uh <clears throat> my study with uh, via my phd where the people around me there were were helped just sort of like challenging me around why is that your go-to method what yeah. can the other methods bring um, and when do you need to flip between maybe those game-centered approaches or a certain game-centered approach or a technical approach? And then like, and now going into these clubs where I'm seeing <clears throat> coaches who are full-time with players who are full-time, thinking actually, do you know what? There's probably a place for like every different method out there. But I would say that whatever method you use, 
I believe that it does have to replicate situation like re the realism of the game. Um, but I don't think you could, like replicating the realism of the game doesn't mean it has to be a game. So that's where I'm at at the moment. So I think I'm a little, probably a little bit more balanced now than I was. Yeah, I think it's. Um... I think it's a good question. Actually, I met someone from yesterday from the SRU and he said, I sometimes worry about your version of this. Actually, it's too gamey. I'm going to use your... Uh, your, your <laughs> um, however, it's not. So um, we have multiple, and I really like Jack Patterson's slide around the practice design. We have multiple options available to us. Ultimately, they're going to play a game um, and it should feel like uh, tactical warfare so there should be some tactical stuff going on however that doesn't mean that when we're training that we couldn't have some options around um, having some more blocked practice as an example or we could get mm. into some smaller sided games so the, the you know you're just talking about Tom Hartley but when we did the gamification stuff there they had a bonus level where you made some decisions around the players you took into it it was often like a 1v1 or a 2v1 which allowed some let's call it technical because that's the word everyone likes technical coaching uh, and then the main game actually then presented you with a tactical problem because you were you were underloaded if you chose to take a two-on-one um, we could have a co-coach whose job is just to actually be in charge of technical stuff and he might actually go when i see someone doing something well i'm gonna stretch them technically when i see someone struggling i'm gonna support them or i'm gonna give them the option of support um, yeah. We could have a little skill zone where people come out. We could, as Birmingham do, we could add it in at the start. We could have some kind of hidden technical dis uh, shaping where, you know, they're kicking the ball in a dustbin or they're trying to kick the ball off a crossbar. Or when I go to the hockey performance centres, if I put a water bottle on the crossbar, everyone's practising flicking the ball. Mm. And they are desperate to hit the water bottle. They don't ever hit it. No one's ever hit it. Um, but they'll, they'll, they'll have done... 30, 40 flicks without even realising it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably need to put a bigger bottle up there so they can, <laughs> they can have a bit more. Once again, I should do the levels. So I should have a, a variety of objects, <laughs> each with different yeah. scoring systems. So it's not one of I, I think people, people's perception is that, that, and it's definitely my preference, because actually when, when I ask kids and I'll... I'll how many of you would want to leave the game to go and do some block practice? No one puts their hand up. And it's partly because of what the block practice looks like. It's partly because we probably need to support them on just being better at practicing. So there was a kid at Birmingham the other day and I said, oh, look, how many players in the session are left-handed? He said, oh, two. I said, well, there's a kid over there who's kicking the ball left-footed against the wall. And he was like, but he's right-footed. So I went over and I said, oh, are you right-footed or left-footed? He said, oh, I'm... I'm right-footed, but I, I need to practice my left. Mm. I was like, wow, I don't see that that often. Um, no. I think there has to be, um, for the players, a meaning behind why, why would they go and do some block practice? Why would they want to do that? Yeah. Um, and that's something I definitely, um, when I was coaching my last team, was practicing as a coach. It was like figuring out how can I get these players motivated to do some block practice so that when they come back into this game that I've created, they realise how important that practice was for them and, yeah. and how it actually helps them in the game. I think that if, if any coach can 
can help the players to see that link, then I think happy days. I think that's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, but but also you could use that area as a skill zone and actually you could step, in, step into the skill zone. Let's say it's rugby and you're practicing your kicking and actually if you achieve some stuff, then you have a superpower in the game. So once again, it gives meaning to it. They dip out it. Um, and there's a real incentive to to then, then be able to bring it into the game. You might be a double-point player in the game. So that's, yeah. that's what I've kind of been... And I'm, we'll definitely dip onto your gamification stuff and you can tell me everything I'm doing. But I found that that really works. That actually, there's an optional area over there. You go and practice a skill that you need to get better at and then you come back into the game. It affords you some opportunities to probably... It might allow you to actually, when you catch the ball, you can pause everyone in the game and you, you have a bit less pressure on you when you kick. So it gives you the, a safe place to come and practice it in the game as well. Yeah, I think probably through our conversations in the next 40 minutes or whatever, I probably will debunk a little, a little bit of the interpretations of the different principles because um, I think that we might be in danger of um, through practicing this approach to coaching, I think we might be in danger of just using incentives such as points, um, enjoyment, fun, motivation, instead of thinking as a coach, how is this design going to help their understanding of the game? So I think that's where, so people that know us will probably know that we have like a little internal, like fun, um, debate between us around not debate but we have a bit of banter between us around whether it's called gamification or whether it's called video game design yeah and game design. Like, and I, and I, we, we know like we know we know what like i know that you know and you know that i know but it's just what we call it um but i think that's probably that whole gamification term probably does link more to like incentivizing and point scoring whereas video game design probably links a little bit more to game understanding problem solving um, and all of that sort of more brainy, cognitive stuff associated yeah. with playing. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, um, yeah, and, and, well, let's talk about it. Let's go, what's the, so where are you now with it? So last time I spoke to you, you'd actually been to a session with Tom Redfern and you said, actually, I've seen some stuff that the rugby coaches did that was, probably a little bit different to what I would have interpreted it as. And actually I thought it was pretty cool. So, I mean. Yeah. So like, I guess it's just, I'm still on the journey of like understanding how this can look yeah. um, and linking the theory to the practice. So like, wherever possible, I want to see coaches trying it out just to see how, what ideas they come up with. Um, and I think the rugby world has done like, it seems to have taken some of the ideas really well and I'd like, be really open-minded with it. So like, spent quite a little bit of time with rugby um and I don't know anything about rugby and I say this to everyone I'm clueless about the actual game of rugby um but I know enough to design a basic video game practice video game session um and yeah so what I try to do like wherever possible was like any CPD events to get the coaches in the room to try and apply the, the concepts or at least interpret them and debate them and I've just been like loving some of the, some of the ideas that the coaches have been coming up with. So um, just trying to think back to 
to that particular CPD. Um, it's all about strategy. So the players, the coaches who were playing in the session, it's all about how are they thinking about their strategy to, um, to overcome the problems and to set the opposition problems. Yeah. And I guess what, what I realised was that because they're humans and they're not in a computer, they're actually probably able to like manipulate stuff a little bit and find the shortcuts really well to your game design. Like kids do, right? They find like the shortcut to try and to, yeah, like to like, not to make the game fail, but to like get success quicker. Um, which then kind of put me on the back foot a little bit. because I was thinking, oh, that wasn't how it was supposed to look. Um, but what they did work. So I was like, okay, so that's kind of, that's kind of okay then. Um, but yeah, so I guess like the journey I've been on is just very much listening to other coaches and hearing them and how they want to challenge different principles um, in terms of how they could look on the rugby pitch. Can I tell you where I've got to on the rugby pitch? Go on. And I'm not saying it's like, look, and, I, and it's not always this, and I'm the same as you, I'm still on the journey. Um, often, and where, where I've seen people really find it hard is when, exactly as you say, when people take it in a direction that as a coach you didn't think it was, or even scarier, as a group of coaches. So I've definitely seen a session where one coach has been cool, but the other co-coaches are going, whoa, 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 we now don't have a clue. How are we gonna how are we now involved in this? What you know, how do we coach this now? So um I guess where I've got to is so look, a quick review, and I'm gonna check myself on your principles are uh, mission. Uh, levels, level up, superpowers, pausing and saving progress. Uh, pausing, saving progress. So I got five right. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah five. you got right. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've added celebrate and currency, but we'll talk about those as well. Um, okay. So I've ended up with. So I tend to go. Look, uh, I would, I would just because I'm interested in this. Uh, I would pre-prepare based upon. Uh, and maybe in conjunction with the players, some scoring systems around skills they want to get better at. So that's almost like the mission. I would give them the option of, do you want to start on the easy level or the hard level? Uh, so hold on, hold on, hold on, rewind. Go on then. Go so on. missions, you would begin with some skills they want to get better at. So my mission might be that actually everyone's developed some skills that they are, that would benefit them in the game. That might be my mission, as an example. Is that a reasonable mission? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess how you worded it there would, in my opinion, align with the, the concept behind that principle. So it's in my, like what I'm seeing a lot of is let's just um, still have a tactical or technical skill, skill focus, but call it a mission. And that's like not the point. It's like, it's actually about actually let's remove any skills or techniques or tactics we want them to practice. Forget that. It's not about what we want them to practice. It's about getting them to realise what skills they need to use as strategies in order to achieve the mission. Cool. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Um, I would always give them the option of doing the easy level or the hard level. I like giving choice. I'm always curious. Uh, but then, sorry, I keep interrupting you, but going no, back to the, the missions bit, yeah, I've found that 
I found that that is the principle that a lot of coaches find the most difficult because if I if if I'm saying oh no it's not about choosing tactics and skills that you want them to practice then the coach is going then what the hell is the session about and that's understandable like the yeah. coach is thinking then what then what's the session for and like I think that's where we have to be really creative and probably like as coaches be a little bit more in tune with like video games like I loved playing with my brother over Christmas just because it refreshed my mind and my memory on like or the refresh my experiences of like what nowadays what do these games look like what ideas are like coming through in these games so um a mission that I've recently uh used in football is um the mission is to be able to control the game so because in football you hear a lot of or invasion games in general you hear a lot of people talking about oh who was in control of the game or you know who had and by that I don't necessarily mean possession control yeah. of the game doesn't have to mean possession um, but by just saying, right, today's mission is to control what does, the game. What does it mean? What does control of the game mean in football? Do you know what? I think most of the time we link it back to dominating, dominating the ball yeah. and having the ball most of the time. But if depending on who you're playing against, maybe controlling the game is actually we're going to let them have the ball, but that's us controlling the game. Yeah, we're going to give We've decided that we want that. In certain areas of the pitch type thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so it's just taking away like the other stuff related to the game that you really want them to get better at, and just going, let's give them this broad goal, and yeah. then how they get there is up to them, and that's going to change loads. It should change loads. The skills and the tactics they use should change loads. Cool. I yeah. And the rugby equivalent of controlling the game is called game management. So I'm not quite sure what it means. People use it, but I, I think what they mean is um, often having possession, often in certain areas of the pitch, and probably being uh, more dictating towards what the opposition do. Yeah. Um, so, cool. Mission. Mission. Second bit, levels. Which level do you want to start on, uh, Amy? The easy one or the hard one? <laughs> the hard one. Cool. Uh, only only football players have ever said the easy one. And Dan Bather yesterday at Highfield. <laughs> so I'll give him a shout out. Because uh, I'm just curious. And then actually one... Um, so sometimes they would play same level. Sometimes they would, But sometimes I would give them the option of join the hard level or the easy level to start with. Um, How do you, so here's my question back to you. Oh, God. How do you know whether a level is easy or hard? Um, my... Um, uh, the level is based, uh, so the harder level would tend to have, uh, in my world, uh, require more points to complete the level, and it, you would get a superpower later on in the level. Cool. Um, uh, and and look, this is my, this is one of a million interpretations of uh, of this. So uh, so that's how really uh, interestingly sometimes I give out you know, the whiteboards with the levels on and uh, and it's only a few minutes in that people realise they've got different whiteboards. Um, <laughs> it's cool. Like that. So, um, yeah, and look, clearly tactical, so, each, you know, and strategic. Each, I, think, I think when you say strategy, I mean tactics. So strategy for me is game plan. Tactics is, well, how do you then adapt your direction of travel to beat the game, to win the, to, to beat the opposition? 
So we'll give oh, them. That's 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 a re- sorry to interrupt you again, but that's I think a really important point that you've made. Like strategy and tactics are different, but like in our coaching, how do we cater for those differences? Yeah. So like, if you want your players to be like tactically better, then I guess you'd probably be promoting them to be like adaptable and changing what they do and how they do it. Yeah. Whereas the strategy, like say, if we're saying that's the game plan, that's the goal, then do we, do we, do we design practices that promotes that goal changing or are we just going to stick with that plan or that goal and change the tactics instead? And for me, that's probably one of the ways pauses fit in is actually we have a strategy and at some stage, do we need to adapt that strategy? Do we need to think tactically and uh, change what we're doing? So I would tend to at that stage, so I would scaffold in, so apologies again, I would scaffold in each team to have a certain number of pauses and replays. Um, so pause, so, so for a replay is have another go at something. So you might decide, do you know what, I missed that goal, I want to have another go, or do you know what, I just put a rocket in the net, I actually want to have another go at that. Um, and, then, and then a certain number of pauses. So once again, I would say, how many of you would, if it was kids, how many of you would want to pause a lesson at school? Um, they would all put their hands up. Uh, I would ask them why they don't and what they would want to pause it for. And imagine if you could pause in this session, give me some reasons you might pause. And I know you've obviously got your, your framework around that. Okay, so, so go, 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 go. So I guess why, I was sorry, it keeps, it keeps cutting out. So I can't tell when you finish speaking or when you've not, but um, hopefully it won't cut out. When um, I was just going to say like with, with the, um, the pauses, you were saying that you use that maybe to try and promote some sort of strategic thinking. Um, I'd like to get to a point with players where they don't need to pause in order to change their game plan. Oh. I would love it. I would love it if, um, if players and teams could do that in action on the pitch. Because if you think about football um, as a game, it's, it's quite dynamic and fluid. But I would still argue there are still there are still some moments or periods in the game where it slows down a little bit or where you as an individual aren't fully involved or heavily involved. So it might allow you a little bit of time to to rethink your strategy. Um, and I know rugby probably even more so there's some like natural breaks or pause, not pauses, but like sort of moments in the game where it slows down or there's some t- time to think. Yeah, so there's a couple of things there, and it's a great point. So I'm in a whole agreement with you. However, I think there's a handful of players in English rugby that uh, solve problems in the moment. I'm throwing it out there. Um, yeah. And so it might be that it starts off with them pausing and, and that, but also what I'm trying to do is then relate it to the actual match, the game as they will play it, and go, well... When are these natural pauses in the game where you could be doing this? And how as a team would you do it? The other thing that I've found quite useful is if there is a scoring system to each team to maybe have one person who's a scorer or two people are out of the game, so they actually have time to step back and see some stuff. So even at a relatively older age, they really struggle to to play a game 
and as you say to stop notice think see what the opposition are doing work out so sometimes i have given them the opportunity to switch in and switch out every minute or so that I'll, so i can give them a bit more time off ball to notice some stuff as and when i felt like it's necessary for me so i would i, would, I wouldn't say that's right or wrong but i would just challenge that back like back relating to video game design um so why is it then in a video game that the player doesn't need to come out of the game and watch it in order to think why is it they can do it as they're playing um, and is it the features of the design so if we use those five design principles really well in our game design if if i believe if that's the case if we use them really well then we don't actually need the players to step out because it's not designed for that purpose if they're really well, it's really well designed we should be able to get to a point where players can do it in the game um so for example like um i was working with a cpd event in rugby recently and it was actually like i think under 16s players that were taking part and the way the pitch was designed in for this game was just in channels i think you might have seen it delivered before or might have seen a session designed somewhere but it's in channels in lanes yeah and yeah. you're locked in your lane to start with so you can go it's like a vertical lane um you're locked in so just purely because you're locked in to start with it actually means that you can pay a little bit more attention to what's going on around you yeah because if, the, if i'm in the left hand lane and the ball's in the right hand lane I can watch what's going on, but actually I can't really do too much because like, I can do a little bit, but it's not, I'm not really affecting the play. So it gives me a chance to think. But then as I level up and I come out of that lane, I'm a little bit more involved now. So the time I've got to think and to notice decreases. So therefore it gets a bit harder for me to, to think strategically and to, to plan my next move, change the strategy or the game plan. I'm just taking it to the lane that's the next one out. The one on the edge of the pitch, I'm joking with you. However, <laughs> and I do agree, so you would imagine that people who are further away from the ball, especially if there's larger numbers or they're locked into an area, would have more time to notice things. Yes. Yeah. However, if you've not been doing that for the previous 20 years of your rugby career, <laughs> you've just been looking at the ball and you've not been solving problems, then yeah. I've found that... And, I, and I'm not, and I'm with you, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but in, in some circumstances, they have benefited from coming off the pitch and actually, even then, they feel even more liberated to look at both teams and, and be thinking, right, well, what is going on? And, and, it, and it's far from ideal. Clearly, we yeah. want people who can yeah. solve problems in the moment. As I said before, I think that's a small number of, I mean, the reality is, I speak to, International, I speak to um, Premiership rugby players who've played 200 plus games of rugby and they've never taken part in a session where they're trying to work out what the opposition are doing. And yet every week they have. And when you ask them that question, they look at you like, oh my God, this is ridiculous what I've been doing. So, um, and that's a great way of, you know, so the locking them in the lane and the session you did at Birmingham where, where that happened definitely afforded you and it was a really good session design and it would fit in nicely with rugby because 
we probably want our support to stretch across the pitch. Um, it would then allow you time to think and notice and hopefully problem solve. And if you do notice stuff, then the next thing I guess I'm sometimes having to scaffold is, well, what's the language you use to solve problems? Yeah. Because yeah. same again, close your eyes. So in, in five seconds, you're all going to shout out uh, what you would say if there was an opportunity to score on the left-hand side of the pitch, three, two, one, I get 20 different answers. Yes. No, I mean, like, something I'm trying to get my head around, I think we could, there's so many layers to this conversation, like, we're not even going to scratch the surface, but, like, something at the moment I'm trying to get my head around is, in terms of, like, strategies for games and game plans, mm. it's how do we, um, how do we get teams, so if there's 11 or 15 players on the pitch, yeah. how do we get the whole team to be in tune when a strategy or a game plan changes and not just wait until half time so the coach can like reinforce it to everyone but like how do we get all those people on the pitch on this on the same page and and actually like where possible is everything that we do as a team or as an individual is it planned for and and that's where I think that's where it comes back to what I said at the start around my learnings as a coach developer is I think we need to help players to plan their actions more because I don't think we do that. I think we rely on in the moment, adapt and find a way in the moment. Don't think and we just do it and see if it works. I think we've been relying on that a lot. I still think that's really, really important though. So I think as a coach in our toolbox, have we got a method that does that? So like promotes adaptability in the moment where there's not necessarily loads of thinking going on, but we find a way. But then have we also got something that promotes planning ahead? Um, and I think we need to get a good balance of that. Which, because uh, both important. which teams in football do it really well? Interesting you say, because um, the Women's World Cup uh, this summer, obviously USA won. And yesterday we were just chatting as a team around like what why was it that USA was so successful obviously there's a million reasons but one of the reasons we spoke about was their ability to um, change their strategy so they um, when the momentum was against them in the game their team the whole team was able to change what they did as a team so it might have been yeah, maybe they started the game that's play a mixture so the manager apparently the manager explained that Sometimes it was led by the sideline and sometimes it was led by the players. So they might start the game as in a high pressing, uh, using a high pressing strategy. But if there comes a point where they lose momentum, then they'll go into a uh, more of a mid block or a deeper block. Yeah, That's just an example. I don't know if that's exactly what they did. That's just an example. So just being able to, to have that fluidity yeah. between the two strategies, I think yeah. is like how do we coach that I think that's the sort of million dollar question but so that's what happens when you play a video game that that is essentially video game play it's you you have a strategy you realize it's not working because the game gives you loads and loads of feedback it's really obvious the feedback in video games so you change what you do yeah it certainly got me thinking about actually when they're playing games so my son plays Fortnite used to play Fortnite with his friends and then working together. So clearly when you're individually trying to uh, tactically adapt, so I'm with you, at one end is strategy, at the other end is adapting, and in the middle is tactical. So that's 
you know, as a team, what are we going to change and why? Um, and it's just not being coached, quite frankly. Or in, in, in the session, everyone knows everything. So this team are going to change to do this. You guys are going to work it out. <laughs> we missed out the bit where we had to, we had to know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I think we're a long way away. I think football's advanced in terms of there are more tactical options um, that they, so, you know, they would, I think that's probably more fluid than it is in, in rugby at the moment. Um, I do think, we're, once again, we're, we're scratching the surface around this stuff and it's, it's exactly as you said, we need to, so where, where the sessions I've found them, you know, they're challenging the players is we have to, we've come in, we've got a, we've got a plan, we've got a strategy, we now need to tactically adapt. So put your hands up if you've noticed, you know, how the opposition are playing or what you need to do. Cool. Keep your hand up if you've told anyone else. <clears throat> so I get to the situation a lot in these sessions where, <clears throat> and I often then need to scaffold it because I'm thinking we could be here all day and no one's going to tell anyone else. So we've got... Just sorry, Rusty. Go on. Just something you said, um, so I want to chat with you about it. So you said about tactically adapting. It, what, is, what do you mean by that? What Change that? tactics. Changing your tactics. To, to but what work. is a tactic? What's a tactic? So it might be. So it might be what you talk about. So it might be actually we're going from a high press to actually to go to a zonal. So see, for me, this is what I think. I know I'm pernickety <laughs> at these details, but I think, in my opinion, the way I'm looking at it is a, is a strategy. Is the overall is the what we're trying to achieve? Yeah. So we might be we might be trying to win the ball up win the ball in a high area we might be trying to win it back high up the pitch um and that's our strategy but then our strategy might change to actually we're going to try and win the ball in the middle zone so we changed our strategy but then i guess i'm I'm still working this out myself but then i'm just talking out loud at the moment then i i i was looking at tactics being more in the moment um and more of them so if there's 11 players on the pitch you might have some tactics as a midfield as a midfield group you might have some tactics as a couple of forwards as a defensive line you might have some tactics as an individual because it might be like I'm playing against you in the midfield and you're a really tough opponent and I've got to try and tactically flex maybe to try and get the better of you in the moment Like just by simply maybe using, maybe making you use your weaker side, that might be a tactic. Yeah. But like, I guess that's where we've interchanged, like as coaches, I think we use the two Uh. terms, tactics and strategies interchangeably, which is probably the right thing to do. But I guess at the same time, in order to make sure we coach for strategy, we probably need to be really clear on what strategy is and what tactics are. Yeah, I see strategy and I would, you know, for me, the strategy would be we're going to we're going to get the ball back high, and the tactics would be the way we do it. So the tactics, yeah, might, we're going to go high press, or it might actually be that we're going to go we're going to we're going to change tactics, and we've noticed that Amy's been really effective, and we're going to slightly adapt to what we're doing and, and man mark Amy as an example. So that's how I see the the tactics of being the stuff that helps us achieve the strategy. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I, I really agree with that. So, like, if we were to simplify that, it would be like the strategy is the what and the tactics is the how. Yeah, I agree. 
yeah cool so what what i'm noticing is that we get to a stage where we do start to notice that something is or isn't working or what the opposition are trying to do as well because clearly at the same time as we're trying to get the ball back high they're maybe trying to do something else uh and then that's the challenge and, and it's clearly more challenging in football because the game's more fluid and the, there's less there's more ball rolling and there's less opportunities to have a, a scrummage or I guess what it would be in football might be a, a penalty or you concede a goal and there's a moment where you could actually have a, a natural pause in the game where we go, do you know what, we need to think about this. Often, yeah. that's, often that's too late. Um, so um, I think trying to scaffold them with pauses but also support them with how do we share information as a group, what language yeah. do we use, um, how do we, you know, how do we know it's working? Um, and just all the stuff that never happened. So the classic is, you know, so England played Italy a few years ago. Italy do this weird defence and completely shock England. And we've got the best players in the country and they're, you know, they're having to ask the referee what a rook is. And it probably takes a half time with Eddie to kind of go ABC and then we, we win the game. Um, so my my I guess my provocation to coaches is well, what if there wasn't a half time? So imagine yeah. there's half times in football and you couldn't speak on the sideline. What would your training look like? And I think it would look <laughs> like your training. Yeah, I think that's a really cool <laughs> cool uh, question to pose coaches. Actually, I hadn't thought of it like that. Um, it so makes you think. Are we it? Doing? So really interesting. One of the things we also did with um, and I went with Nags with the age grade hockey is starting to video players after they'd been in a half-time huddle, as an example, and just asking them, you know, what have you heard? Mm. Followed by an awkward silence. Um, so even that is not that... I mean, I've been in lots of half-times and lots of huddles, and I'm thinking, this doesn't mean anything to me. So I, I don't think huddles are, are, are that useful, if I'm honest. And so when I have been playing around with, the, you know, with allowing them pauses and huddles, then... I've maybe been pulling some people out. So they actually need to then tell four or five people again. So it reinforces that stuff. I've maybe also allowed one player from each team to go into the other team's huddle and then report back. Um, I've also played around a bit with, I actually only give the information for the game to, to three people on each team and you then have to share it. Um, because I, I think we need to give them more opportunities to practice the skill of, talking to each other whilst playing the game because it is hard and I probably as a player only got to that in my 30s so I guess my other provocation is well why does it have to be the old pro that does it what what if I told you that every single 18 19 year old needs to be able to tactic solve the tactical problems of the game in the moment how would you train yeah and I think it goes before we talk about communication it needs to be happening in the brain like actually needs to be like consciously thinking about this stuff as you're playing Agreed. because um, we've, that's where I'm trying to get at the moment is I don't even know, like no one knows what their players are thinking as they're playing. We've got no idea what's going through our players' brains as they're yeah, I mean, I would, um, And once again, though, that's your craft of coaching, isn't it? That's your ability to actually maybe stop the game yourself and go, cool, well, close your eyes. What have you seen? What are you, what are you thinking? What have you noticed? And that's another reason I have sometimes pulled players out is to go, look, what, have, what are you thinking? What's, what's going on? 
But I'd challenge that, Rusty, because that's been, if I'm to look at this through video games approach, I'd say, well, actually, that's being driven by you. But how can we use those five design principles to promote, as our craft of coaching, to promote actually so, so, the brain? Sorry, the so, stuff then, going on. so then pausing and coming and going, look, I, I need a clue around this stuff. I'm struggling yeah. with this. Or, yeah. or I've noticed yeah. that. Or, actually, can you set as a challenge? Yeah, it could be that. Or it could even be, um, if you look at the superpower uh, principle, if a player has opted to use it, then in a way, that's kind of telling you something around how they've perceived yeah, yeah, the game. Yeah. Um, rather than opting for, in my opinion, I think that's a shortcut route for the coach. I'll just come out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you out and I want to know what you're thinking. I think that's an effect. I still think that's a good tool for your toolbox. Do you think it's one or the other? No, that's what I was just saying there. So I think, I, I, I'm not disregarding that as a tool. But if, if I thought would be that they they do the they instigate it. I agree with you on that. Yeah, and I, I just think um going back to the whole communication thing, I just think how can we get to a point where the players are actually conscious about what they're thinking as they're thinking it? That's that's the key. It's like, do they even know what they're thinking? Do they even know what they're thinking? I don't I I think back to like when I've last played like in five aside football and everything's happening so fast that I don't know if I was like aware of my thoughts I, can't, I don't know if I was like in everyday life I think we're probably as humans human beings in everyday life I think we're probably quite good at being aware of our thoughts as we're thinking our as we're thinking it um, but in a game I just think that's so difficult. We need to use those design features to promote that skill set. I agree. It's harder in five side. So just to give you some love, it's going to be harder. Thank you. It's Thank all, you. Thank it's you. all going on in our five side. <laughs> Not in the five side I play again. in. <laughs> the ball goes <laughs> off the pitch every like two seconds. <laughs> uh, um, no, but like I guess yeah. Just go, just going back to um, to the point you made. Which, which you spoke about, we need to create opportunities for players to actually communicate their thoughts. Yeah, I, I think that's not, that's not on my radar yet. Like I'm still even trying to get players to know what they're actually thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think um, that... Look, I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think my preference is that it's, you know, that it's, it's instigated, led by them. However, I also think that the gift of coaching is that sometimes you do need to stop and actually start to raise some people's awareness of stuff because yeah. they may just not know what even to look for. They may Agreed. Not yeah. have an idea of, so in rugby, they may not be checking the backfield. So they may but isn't it, isn't it fascinating, Rusty, right? Where, like, I agree with, I, I agree with that and where I've demonstrated this like, approach before, even when I was, I was coaching my team a couple of years, year, last year, yeah. I would never, I would always just be a regular coach as well. I wouldn't be silent and not say anything and only wait for them to instigate stuff. Like, we're, we're I'm their coach. Like, I'm, I'm not going to ignore them. But, like, isn't it weird that in a video game situation, they're actually, um, that doesn't happen. So, like, you still, can be, you still can become really, 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 really good at playing that video game purely because of the way it's designed. 
Yeah, but I also and you don't have you don't have to have a coach instigating anything. However, what I would say is, uh, yeah, I agree. But also, they would they would share stuff with their peers. They would go on YouTube, but once again, they would be leading it, and it's you know it's 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 also it's often also because they 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 might enjoy their video games more than they enjoy some of the sport they're currently doing as well. Um, so, um, uh, but I mean, sometimes they take time out of the game. They think about it and go, "Oh, okay, I could do that." I, I definitely know my son and his friends would speak about, "Oh, you, you know, we got a solution for that." You can go online. You can go on YouTube. You can find a cheat code, I'm sure, as well. Um, so, I do think sometimes they dip out. And, but as you said, I mean, it's 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 led still by no it. coach. Just still, yeah. So that's that's what I find fascinating. Yeah. Is it is it because us as coaches? we feel like that's our role or we feel like we should, we should say something when, if we notice that they're not doing something we expect them to. Be honest or, with you. Um, before you started thinking about this type of stuff and looking into it, what percentage of the, of your interactions with the people you coached were led by you as a coach? I'd say. High. Majority. Yeah. I'd say pretty high. Cause even if, even when, I, I'd say what I used to do quite a lot is discussion-based interventions with with small groups of players, and even that was led by me. Like I decided to to do that type of intervention. I guided the discussions. I decided, you know, what we would do after that discussion, and I summarised that discussion. And like, do you know what I mean? It was it was then talking, but it was all still guided by me and led by me. Cool. Same for me. And then this has probably moved me significantly the other way. And clearly my dream is that, you know, they're all thinking like coaches. They would have, you know, and, and, and they would be able to solve all the problems. Uh, however, I think at the moment, um, you know, as I say, we're all on a journey with it. I'm, I'm probably at about 80% them now. Um, I would love it to be 100. In some places I go to, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm much less than 80% there I and mean, it frustrates me, but I've probably got to understand what's come before. Here you go, Rusty. Here it, here it is. Go on. We spoke at the start of this conversation about the importance for different methods. Yeah. So I, my, my learnings was actually technical unopposed is also important. TGFE is important, whatever it is, constraints, blah, blah, blah. If, we, if, if we're looking at what you just said there, around your dream is for obviously them then to be able to do it without your help if i was working with a group of players for a number of seasons or whatever if i was to use a variety of methods along that time period then actually would they be in a better position to um to be their own coaches so, for example, if I'm going to use video game design with them tonight, do I just purely use video game design principles? And actually, I don't decide as a coach to lead any of it because I'm using video game design. And the whole point of this is to get them to think about their own thinking without my support. But then tomorrow, I might do um, TGFU where, okay, it's game-based, but a lot of the interactions will be guided by me as the coach a lot of like questioning which is guided by me but then the day after that I might do like 
technical, which is really, really sort of guided by me. So then they're kind of, do you know what I mean? So then because I'm staying true to each method and the purpose of each method, would that process allow them in the end to be more of a complete player who thinks like a coach? Yeah, look, I think um, that you're clearly going to use lots of, you've got lots of um, options available to you in terms of practice design and, and using, you know, the reality is using one all the time is probably not the answer. My sense is that, um, and, and my experiences are, and I work with thousands of coaches and I, and I put up Jack Patterson's slide and I ask them, what are you comfortable coaching? What have you experienced? You know, what are you... I think it's, you know, there's, there's no reason I couldn't be doing a session where the main stuff is around video game design, tactical problem solving, but there's the ability to dip in and dip out and, 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 and upskill yourself and, and practice some, let's call it technical stuff. My sense is lots of the technical stuff is practiced poorly, quite frankly. Um, really, really far away from context really really people doing stuff where they're having a hundred percent success and they you know and then um even i'm you know once again the journey i'm on the the stuff around old way new way and skill hackers just kind of landed on me a few months ago and i'm i'm playing around with that i'm exploring that i think we're we would have this conversation in another six months which would be probably about the earliest we can do it and, uh, and we'd be saying different stuff and we'd have discovered some more stuff and we'd have adapted what we do. Uh, I'm definitely still kind of iterating this. I, I do this, so as I, and, I, and I told this story a few times, but I ran this session at ACS and one kid just said, Rusty, that's the worst. Can I give you some feedback? It's the worst session I've ever done. I've never, ever had to think <laughs> of myself. My dad was in the military, he did everything for me. Uh, I've led a, led a really organised life. Uh, and uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to solve any problems. Thank you very much. Um, so, I guess yeah. I guess like I guess what my I guess what my my point was that if we're going to choose to use a method, what what is it that that method's trying to do for the player? Yeah. And if we keep that in mind, because oh, just dropped my laptop. If we keep that in mind, um, then actually it will benefit the player because we if we stay true to it because we know what it's trying to do. So if we know video game design is trying to help players metacognitively, i.e. be able to think about their own thinking as it happens so that they can plan ahead, plan their next action, so they can set problems for the opposition so that they can retrieve important information in the moment of the game. If that's what we know it does, and we, we deliver it true to those five principles, then we're more likely to, to develop to do, we're more likely to create a situation where the players are actually practicing those skills that I've just mentioned there around planning ahead, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas as soon as we start tinkering with some of it, do we then take the emphasis away, what, away from what the method was trying to do in the first place? Um, what, I don't know. What do you think? I have, this is honestly, like this is something that has been on my mind for so long. I don't know. Like I went through a phase at the start of being very... We need to get on the pitch and coach together. I mean, that's actually what we need to do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, which is what I, I don't think I don't, I don't think there's an answer. I just think... No, no. I just, I just think 
if we know what it's trying to do then let's believe in that method and give it a go and like if that means that we don't we don't make ourselves part of it because we don't make it coach-led we have to like kind of I'm not making sense right now but what I'm trying to explain is if we know that the purpose of the method is is not to intervene as a coach then do we need to allow that to go out like allow that to play out without us intervening because we know that what it's trying to do for the players yeah i mean that that would be where i want to get with it 100 percent. And, and then also it's really individual so i guess what i was trying to say with that kid was well actually that wasn't what that kid needed that day i mean it was you know it was a million miles away from what he needed and so yeah. we, we then factor this into large groups of people and everyone's different and there are different stages and yeah yeah then it becomes you know then how do you then individually coach within that stuff because it's really easy for someone within this session to go well i'm not having any of this yeah yeah i'm gonna go and stand on that channel on the edge and hopefully i'll remain locked in there for the rest of the day <laughs> yeah yeah no you're right um it comes back to that whole it, they're human we're humans like like I was saying about the rugby CPD, like they did some stuff that I didn't expect was going to happen because they got their own brain and they're human beings and it's not on the computer. Um, uh, so yeah, I don't have an answer. I'm just... Oh, you're supposed to have the answer. No, I don't have an answer. I'm and just, alongside all of this, so once that we've kind of explored this a bit, I would tend to then want to try and individualise it and give people some opportunity to share some stuff that would be meaningful to them within the game. And that might be a, a skill. That might be a a skill from a, a technical point of view might be a, I want to do X number of X, whatever it is, but that might be, I want to get really good at communicating with my teammates. or I want to uh, work on moving away from the, the locked in area on the far side to actually getting a bit more involved. So that's the other bit of this is actually, I mean, especially in development environments, that's cool, but you also need to be coaching some individual stuff as well. Mm. And I guess that's where we won't get to, but I guess that's where suddenly, you know, and I'm, I, I co-coach quite a lot. So then actually we then multiply the number of coaches. So we're talking about a session where you're there, but, but what if you've got three of the coaches who are there with you? So what's their function and how does that yeah. work? And, um, you know, how, how do we, yeah, how do we, how do we effectively coach, give people as much, you know, support as possible or stretch as possible? Yeah. Oh, Amy, I feel yeah, more, I mean, I think, more stressed. I think, I guess, I don't know if I'm sounding like a broken record, but do we need to put different approaches all in the same session? Do we need to add, add more and more design to our sessions or can we just go with one method because this is what we're going after? But then tomorrow we can try out a different method and it works on some other skills. Um, and then as a team of coaches, so, like, as a team of coaches in a video game approach, like, where I've worked with a co-coach before, where there's been two of us, we will um, have a team each who we will, like, sort of oversee, observe, be ready when they ask us for clues. Yeah. Because we, we have to have been observing them if they ask us for clues. Yeah. Um, and then also, just, like, in general, when they... Uh, if we've used the fish tank... Yeah. ...where they can drop into a technical a purposeful technical practice just being able to oversee that um if they're really young yeah i mean fish tanks combining 
is giving you some more block practice alongside your video game design stuff. So, yeah, once again, I don't know if I would, I don't know how skillful I am at trying to blend the different ones. I would tend to want to go um, video game design and then some opportunity to go into a fish tank, shark tank, as I call it. Obviously, don't want to call it the same. <laughs> where people can have some me meaningful, you know, do some repetitions of some stuff that would help them uh, uh, beat the game. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to the features, we've spoken a lot about um, mission. We spoke about missions at start. Yeah. Then we spoke about um, pauses briefly, where you've been discussing how you've used them. We've spoken about superpowers a little bit or a little bit so yeah a little bit uh the other thing we haven't really spoken about a lot is like well, we have a little bit but i don't think we haven't done it justice is level ups yeah because again i think that's quite hard to design i think that's probably like once you've got your mission as a coach you're then thinking okay how do i break this mission down how do i make this game simple and progressively complex i think that's really hard yeah, I like, what, like where you've you've given me some examples before where you, like you said do I want to start on the hard level or the easy level and in my opinion like what is dictating hard and easy in, if it's invasion games then it's the variables of time and space so how do we use a practice design that has lots of time and space at level one yeah. And then not mu not much time and space in level 10, for example. Yeah, so that might be, as an example, that could be width of the pitch for me. Um, it could what, sorry? It could be width of the pitch for me. Yeah. So you might have, a, the harder level might be actually that your attack, your your, your attacking scoring zone is, is smaller than the opposition's. Yeah. As an example. Um, yeah. I guess I'm, once again, I'm, I'm, I'm still exploring levels. Um, I personally don't think that people have to start on the same level. Um, uh, it was interesting. I was coached by a guy, and when one team achieved their level, he moved both team. When our team achieved moved up to the next level, he moved he moved both teams up to the, that level, and it annoyed me because I'm really competitive. Um, but also, that kind of that's not the point, is it? Like I was doing my head in. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, no, 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 this isn't happening. Because <laughs> that's the whole point of the, the the other principle of saving progress. Like, of course it is. That's why. That's so. Going back to training next week, I want to. I want to start the game on the level I finished last week. Like, we no one wants to start from scratch in However, anything. We they all do, like, Amy. They all do. Everywhere you go, they start from scratch, don't they? Well, that I think. Like, it's weird. Like, I think in school, in education, like. Teachers are probably quite good at making sure kids don't start from scratch unless it's like a new topic or like they're a new... get through the curriculum because they're ready yeah. to get through it, so they don't have that <laughs> much choice. But then, like, I, like my personal experiences, of, and this is talking about me as a football coach as well, like over the years, you know, like we tend to work on like topics or blocks of work. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, say it's a four week block on pressing yeah like when my players are on the third week for example what's the first activity i deliver is it complex enough so have i actually considered what they've learned 
in the like week one of that block week two of that block and then there's this there's the first activity in like week three of that block does it actually is it hitting their challenge level or i I personally feel that maybe we 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 do link them but we still start from scratch and then progress but what we do is we just put in more progressions and more quickly what percentage of your training i would ask a lot of players what percentage of your training is 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 just too easy for you you're not having to think you're not having to you know there's no stretch and clearly during a during a week or during a campaign, there's going to be periods of time where, you know, that's that's might be what the players need. However, I've had professional rugby players tell me it's a hundred percent. Wow. Well, and I was. It's um, not preparing them for the match. No, no, um, no. And, and at the club that they told me that they got a lot of injuries at the moment, and it doesn't surprise me they got a lot of injuries because they don't train anything like a match. Yeah, and like. I was talking with a National League coach a few months back and she was like really keen on integrating video game design into her program with the players. Because what she did, she, she coaches senior players. She realised that the method actually will help her players on match day because it's all about strategising. Yeah. So planning ahead, changing what you do. Um, and she thought that's great because it might help us to win games. Um, and she's got two training sessions a week with them. And she, she, the conversation with her was how much time in a two-hour training session does she want to dedicate to video games approach? Um, so, like, another part of her, her curriculum or philosophy that was important to her was what she would describe as the brilliant basics, which is, like, something they would do every week. So she's just she got one hour fifty of uh, static passing, followed by ten minutes of video game design. Is no, 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 no. So it, <laughs> it was brilliant basics, as in could be in or out of possession, but just some like repetition of important techniques versus well, how much time do I want to do the video games? So she she looked at it and went, okay, if we look at look at it in a six week block, we're going to go, um, we're going to start off our training session every uh, every week with. 25 minutes of brilliant basics then we're going to go 40 minutes every week of a video games approach and then the last part of the session every week will be more 11 versus 11 technical tactical like more coach-led stuff yeah um and then she'd do that for six weeks so if if I was one of her players and I was in her training session tonight, I'd start the video games approach on level one. We'd do it again next week. And then I might be, my team might be on level three, for example, in the video games approach. So the whole video games approach game that she designed would last six weeks and players would start on the level that they finished in the previous week. But around that, they still got all the other stuff going on that they need in order to, achieve that win on the weekend and to, to develop the individuals and the units within the team. Nice. So, so like, yeah, I guess when we talk about like challenge level, it's like, you're right. Like, are we getting them out there cognitively out their comfort zone more often than not? That's one way of, of looking at it, but then also using other time in our sessions to get them out their comfort zone technically yeah, as well. Yeah, and, and, and actually what I see is, so when they're doing brilliant, but I mean, 
lots of traditions in sport, I think lots of the brilliant basics are practiced with context that's like the game. So in rugby, we 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 jog uh, down a line passing. We don't understand when to pass or why to pass. So in rugby, obviously, you have the option of running, kicking, passing, and the same. You know, you have multiple options when you're in football, and most of the people I see can pass jogging. Um, I do get that if you've got a long week, you might have some time where you're reducing physical cognitive load and you're, you're actually, you know, intentionally doing that. But for, for a player to tell me that 100% of his time, he's, he, he knows exactly what's happening every week. Yeah. It's easy. I just, I just do what, you know, it's just easy. What do you think about patterns? Because this is something that comes up a lot in football. What do you mean? So I hear a lot of, like, I work with a lot of coaches who dedicate quite a lot of time in their training programs to like set patterns of play with, so that, with metal men or, or not no opposition both um i mean um is it is it transferring to the game is it is it yeah yeah no it looks it's set up like in terms of distances and numbers and, and that it's, it's realistic to what might happen Hopefully the opposition won't move their metal men around, though, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I guess you're assuming the opposition aren't going to adapt what they do, which quite possibly they won't. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you missed some of the cues, clearly, um, of when to pass, why to pass. Actually, is that the right option? Uh, I think it's easier with more experienced players because they could probably imagine that stuff. So I feel mm. more comfortable with more experienced players doing, you know, let's say it's unopposed at times because they can imagine how, where the defenders might be as an example. Um, that depends if it's five minutes of your session and it kind of cheers everyone up, then great. If it's 100% of your session, then I think it's flawed. Yeah, yeah. So um, the superpower thing. Yeah. Let's talk about this because I think sometimes it's slightly misinterpreted by coaches who are trying out the method. Um, Tell me off. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not directing at you. Just in general. So, like, um, are we are we providing superpowers? Um, are we just giving them out? Are we just giving people powers because we sh we realise they're struggling? Um, um, look, I think the dream they... is, I think the dream is that they recognise moments in the game when they need a superpower and why they need it and they come up with something that will help, support, or challenge them. Is that right? Is no, that right? as a coach. So as a coach, when I, when I design my, my video game session, yeah. have I thought about how players can earn the power, or am I just going to be handing them out? So, for example, <clears throat> the earning part, in my opinion, the, the earning bit is the key bit. So okay. as, as the designer of the session... So when I'm playing Sonic, how I earn my power is usually by finding it in the tree, in the palm tree, on green level. Like, can I actually... Don't tell everyone where it is. Can I, <laughs> can I actually make that jump and actually, like, get to that power and not land on a, um, a spiky ladybird and die? So um, I agree. I think it, that it's that. It's them earning them. I generally would want to give them some choice around what their superpower is. If they're struggling, if they're having a bit of a, you know, we can't even think of one or we're thinking of ridiculous ones, then 
I might support them with some options. I still don't, I still think, so in the same way I would say, look, can I have a couple of coaches' pauses? Um, are you guys cool with that? I still think you have the, the gift as a coach to be able to support or stretch some people with some superpower stuff. Um, <clears throat> clearly, that wouldn't be pure in your purest sense of the video game design stuff. But if I see little Johnny and he's really struggling and I'm trying to support him and getting involved in the game and other people haven't noticed it's teenage boys and quite frankly, they don't want little Johnny on their side, then I may use my coach's gift. Okay. How does that sound? Yeah, no, I, I'm always going to disagree with... Yeah, I think we'll always disagree with some stuff. Like, I am, I am a purist. You, you yeah. take the mick out of me for being a purist with I it. I don't. I love um, that you're a purist. I think I need to be because I have to be the person that keeps reinforcing... Like why we why it is like that if that makes sense. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm just the naughty so, schoolboy. Okay. I'm just the naughty schoolboy that breaks. The you world. literally are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I think I I I don't think you're right and I'm wrong. I think in terms of actually coaching, obviously you're doing a great job because what you do is you you're creative and you link stuff together and, and you're flexible in the moment and you can find different ways of impacting players. I guess my I'd always ask the question of if we tinker too much, are we taking away the whole point of the video game in the design in the first what's, place? What's too much? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What's, I, I don't know. So imagine, um, so imagine there's, you know, so, so in the same way that, you know, there's a superpower on Mario's, isn't there, where you're at the back and, and something lands on you and you go quicker. Well, sometimes... Those kids can't, uh, you know, in, in a rugby match, they might not earn those. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just putting a mushroom in front of them. Now, yeah. I've also coached in teams, coach sessions and um, uh, Marlborough uh, KL, where there's a group of girls and they used superpowers to help support some of their players, to help support their team. And generally, I think that's quite rare in boys. It's more likely in girls. And so I've sometimes had to use coach's gift of superpowers, drop some mushrooms in front. Because um, someone said to me recently, right, um, he said, uh, I, really, I really find it interesting, he said, this whole video games thing. And he said, I get it. He said, the only one I don't get is superpowers. And I was like, go on, why do you think that? He said, he said because if you're giving so, like, if there's a superpower and someone, for example, becomes invincible. Um, so they run, they run over the mushroom and they become invincible for five seconds. He said, that doesn't happen in a game. He's like, so why are we putting it into training? And I said, the way you've got to look at it is, it's not about the invincibility that we're worried about as the coach. It's the bit before and the bit after the invincibility. So what we're looking for is the player having the cognitive ability to actually realise they, they need the superpower, to realise how to get, how to earn it. So as I said, jumping up into the palm tree and successfully achieving that. But then when they've got, when they've, <laughs> when they've got the power... Shh, the palm tree, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not the actual invincibility that we're too worried about. It's, the, it's how they 
do they realize they need it and can they actually find a way to earn it what if, they, what if they just don't know they need it Although, well, that's the whole point but that's the whole point that tells you something as a coach doesn't it i would know lots of players that are have had years and years of just you know of of yeah just not had just their coaching hasn't raised their awareness they you know they would happily stand there and so I'll tell you what, here goes, Rusty. If, if um, and I've coached players, right, if they know, if you blatantly can see that they, they need the power, but they haven't clicked that they need the power, yeah, what, what happens in a video game is it becomes really obvious because you don't level up. Because you're just not having success in the game. Like, but, but so that's where yeah, the levels... We're, talk, we're talking about team sport here. So in a team sport... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where the levels become yeah. really important in your game design but in a team sport your team can be going through the levels without you being part of the game now clearly you might say well actually that if we design the levels well it would mean that everyone has to be involved in order to achieve the levels but sometimes we you know we got some people that are just kind of just a, a, along with us and there's in, often in rugby you know you can move because yeah. you've got some fairly dominant players then I'd argue that it's not the superpower that we should be throwing in front of them. If you've got, if, if you're, you, your, your team are progressing through the levels, but you as an individual are performing terribly and not getting it. Well, you just then actually, touches, then you're actually getting some individual development, let's say. Then actually it's not the superpower that we should be um, handing to them. It should be actually when they, when they opt to pause, that is the, the moment where we can start to actually affect that individual to get them to think about what what's you know for example if if, if it was a pause and that team come over and they say right we're going to utilize the clue you as the coach in that moment might say okay i'm going to give you all individually a clue and you speak to that player who's done that absolutely nothing the clue might be you need to use that superpower or had you thought about or what happens if you were to use that mushroom or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I agree. And that's definitely an option. And, 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 and also, um, I, I, you might, it might not be a superpower. It might just be a nudge. It might be as simple as, you know, do you fancy going exploring the other side of the pitch or whatever? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But all of those. So one thing I'm definitely not doing is, I mean, look, clearly, and, our, our, our number one skill as a coach is noticing. So often, and, and it's, a, it's definitely a work on of mine, I don't notice those players well enough. So that's where co-coaching really helps me. Um, yeah. Because uh, we can't see everything. Um, and, but if I do, then, yeah, I think we've got lots of options. And, 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 and I think what I'm hearing you say is that uh, you don't think in the purest form of the game that the superpower would necessarily be the option. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think where possible, like we just need to keep in the forefront of our minds, like what's the purpose of the video game design? Yeah, it's it's not it's not to um, make it easy for the players. It's to actually develop them to be able to think about their thinking, and just by earning the superpower for them by chucking the mushroom in front of them, it's not actually helping them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, it's not as simple as that. I'm not chucking a mushroom in front of people. I'm definitely having some conversations with, I mean, this, 
this would be a classic example in rugby where, you know, look, we've got someone who's got a low training age, they're stood on the wing, they're hardly touching the ball. So actually I'm trying to think of ways of involving them in the game perhaps. And often with teenage boys, their peers aren't that asked about involving the kid who they don't think is that good. So it might be yeah. for me, I go and chat with one of the better players. My, that, my preference would be to go and chat with one of the better players and, and get him to, to, to start to support that player and to get him to think about some stuff. Yeah. Um, however, sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes I might need to go look. You, you know, it's 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 here to here, or I might go look. Little challenge here if you can achieve this, then this type of thing. Um, yeah, I don't think it's, and, and and I think that's the bit where lots of coaches are struggling is actually if there's a game, even if it's not even, we're not even talking tactical game, video games, and we're just talking a game. How much? How many people would actually honestly put their hand up at the end of a session and go, I felt like I had some individual coaching? Um, so, yeah, and look, I'm, I'm, I think you're right. I'm not just going, oh, super powerful you. Because often that's the worst thing. Because actually, yeah. you know, A, they don't have to, you know, earn anything or think about it. But B, that person probably doesn't want to be highlighted as the kid that can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not, you know, my preference would always be, can I get a bit of a secret mission going on for one of the better players to, you know, who, and preferably in advance of training, quite frankly. Look, who do you think is going to struggle today? How do you think you could support them? What type of stuff would be helpful, etc.? Or me with that player in advance of training. I mean, and clearly that's easier when you are longitudinally coaching a group of players. I think it's harder when you're, as we often do, dip in, dip out of sessions, run a one-off and then sit in the car on the way home going, oh my God, that kid didn't do anything for the whole session. Yeah, yeah. I completely yeah. missed that kid out. Oh, I'm yeah. So, um, oh. The I'm, individual, the stuff you're speaking there about individual coaching. Yeah. It's something I've battled with, with the video game design concepts because when you play the video game, technically you're an individual even though you could be playing within a team, say you were playing FIFA, you're still an individual and it's designed for that. But obviously then when we going into the physical world, we have actually got groups of players in front of us. And that, that's, I've so far used the approach where level ups are as a team, yeah. not as individuals. Um, I've used I don't think combinations of both. So okay. there might be some individual stuff and some team stuff that moves you through a level. Okay. But so what would be what would be an individual level up? Uh, might be some some little individual challenges. It might be that we know that like what little Johnny's working on on his kick to score. Actually, one of one of your ways of moving through the level is this actually and or this as well. So that's part. But what? See, that's what I guess what I'm trying to get my head around is if it's the individual challenges to level up. So little Johnny's working on his kicking. So if he, like, what would that look like? What challenge would you set him then to level up? Um, it, it, it depends. So we played a game yesterday, actually, and it, it wasn't really a... a we, we actually just played a game yesterday where um, in order to win the game, everyone had to score on your team. But a way of scoring, uh, getting both people out was if I kicked to you, Amy, and you then scored, then then me and you scored. Um, it wasn't a 
necessarily a pure gamification. It was just more like a tactical game and you had to work out who was left to score on the opposition and how could you get your people to score. And so I might factor it in into the team stuff that there's in my bring to life I might you know they might have some stuff in there that brings to life this some of the individual strengths or stuff they need to get better as as a team to help them move through the levels this is this is where I'd probably make the challenge back around if we're going to do the individual stuff yeah um, within within the level ups I think we've got to be really careful as coaches not to impart our perspective of what skill little Johnny needs to be better at or what's his strength and let's get him to practice that to level up because then it takes away from the point of missions and level ups in the first place which is not to impart technical tactical or skills onto the players cool so the mission yesterday was to get everyone i mean the, the way of winning the game the mission for the to win the game was to get everyone to score yeah yeah the, the way of um uh, that you could get two people out, basically uh, encourage them to kick more. Now, um, I guess what you, I mean, and once again, they would have had some choice in how that comes together. I guess what you're saying is that you you wouldn't allow that to be a way of two people scoring, or or you would, or no, no. I guess what I'm saying is, say the mission was to score. I wouldn't single out an individual, but what I am saying is that you can. You can design ways of moving through levels that that might one of the solutions to it might help some people individually within the team if they choose to go that way. And I guess my question would be help them individually with what? So rather than helping them individually with a skill, say kicking, which we think that player is not very good at. So oh, we're saying, oh, all good at. No, 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 hold on, hold on. If we're saying, right, little Johnny the way you can also, or whoever, you can also individually level up by scoring with your weak foot, right? So that was part of it as well. Actually, what we've, what we've done there is we've, we've dictated the skill that we want them to practice and actually taken away the whole idea of the approach in the first place, which is skills as strategies, not just skills. Yeah, I guess I'm not... Um... So yesterday's an example, I mean, uh, and there wasn't any little Johnnies. Uh, uh, you had the option as a team, as a group, as individuals to do it. It would have helped some people. Some people would have found it hard, but it was, I guess it was, uh, I get your point. I mean, if, I guess yeah, I'm trying to work it out. If, 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 view, if, my, if I was living that session, for me, you know, if we've got a limited amount of time with people, so let's say it's two hours a week and, and we miss opportunities within sessions. Now, clearly there'll be other parts of the session, so it might be the brilliant basics where Johnny's practicing skill X, but actually I still want to see it in context. So I do get that from a pure point of view, it's, 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 it's in some way leading. However, I think I would, you know, if we have two hours a week, then be pretty keen for little Johnny to get some feedback on his, you know, whatever his skill is. Yeah, and like I think ultimately that's where maybe the fish tank becomes really helpful. Um, And also just like, I will never know the answer, but as long as we, if we keep tweaking and coming away from the concept in the first place, how much are we missing out on actually developing metacognition? Um, If we, if we're adding in all of these other things as well. 
And then just with like, I was thinking, if so I, I was doing that. I guess the flip of that would be, my challenge to that then would be then, if they're spending more time, let's go to your club, you know, they're spending more time doing brilliant basics and passing against no one, then they're already sacrificing a huge amount of metacognition. Potentially, and that's and that, yeah, ultimately, it's, I guess it's the decision of the coach like, what do they value or what do they think is yeah, more yeah. important? And lots of coaches yeah. don't want their players to think, <laughs> well, they, just, they don't want the tactical stuff, they want the strategy. I, I think, like, um, the if the mission is to score more goals than your opponent, or as you put it, to for everyone on our team to score a goal, say that's the mission because I'm really int- I'd love to be able to integrate individual levels in it. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. Um, and you level up every time someone scores um, as the team thing but then the individual thing within that I wonder if um, you could use areas of the pitch as an individual thing so it could be um, as an individual you level up if you score from outside the penalty area Yeah. as an individual you level up if you score inside the penalty area or you could even do like if you divide the pitch up into, say, um, eighths or whatever, um, eight sections, you could maybe uh, level up by scoring within each section or by creating from each section or whatever. But at least if you're using the areas of the pitch, you're not promoting a certain type of finish. Yeah. You're just promoting where the, where the finish will come from or where the, the assist will come from. Pricey, I think we could talk for days. Yeah, I've just realised it's definitely been longer than an hour, hasn't it? <laughs> like, I didn't even, like, even realise My wife time. just texted me. Uh, where are you? Um, <laughs> I haven't even had time to write down the one-worders. Um, uh, I, I just want to say thanks, because you've definitely made me think a lot more about coaching. Um, and lots of other people. And I do think people have, you know whether it's gamification, whether it's video game design, they've gone away and, and you've completely reinvigorated a lot of people's coaching. I know you think that's a, um, that you don't have big impact, but it's been pretty significant. Like Fletch, Fletch thinks he's 56% better than he was uh, 12 months ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I'm just really grateful that um, there's so many like, open-minded, enthusiastic coaches that are brave enough to give some new stuff a go. Because yeah. I think that's really hard to do. I think it's hard to try new stuff when you're in like certain certain environments. Can I give you the, my favourite story about your stuff? Go on. So I did a uh, I did a three C's workshop, um, and I had a couple of coaches come along who coach a senior team, so they're a first team coaches. And then on the Friday, two of their players who are coaches also came along, and they said, "What what did you do the other night to our coaches?" We just had the best session ever. It was unbelievable. It was, and, and, and then my clear panic is, do they win a game at the weekend? Uh, and, they, and they beat a team they've never beaten before. Now, it's, I'm not saying it's that, but, <laughs> and, and, and by the way, I get it. So I, I also get that from a pure point of view, this is thinking about thinking, but it's also motivation, enjoyment. It's, it's contrasting yeah. to what other people are experiencing. And it's, and it's exciting for kids, quite frankly. And these aren't kids. These were 30-year-old men. Yeah. They were ripping apples in half <laughs> to access superpowers. And they were speaking to me while their mouths yeah. were frothing. I was like, 
grown-ups. But it just yeah, yeah. Um, fall more in love with sport, if I'm honest yeah. with you. Um, yeah. So I do get, so I'm, I'm really like, from a pure point of view, this is about getting people to think about things. It's getting people to strategize and to tactically adapt and solve problems and to all of that. However, I mean, there's, there's also some people that might only play sport for a period of time or might rock up, not enjoy it and leave. So my wife does this stuff in Nepal with year three and year four Nepal and they love Nepal. They're fully mm -hmm. in love with Nepal. And yep. now I'm cool. They're probably doing a bit of thinking about thinking. And however, I just want them to be in love with Nepal. Because I asked yeah. the question yesterday to coaches, how many players have you coached that are internationals or how many, you know, and it's, it's a small percentage and people might only play sport for a small portion of their lives. And if they love it more or if it keeps them engaged, then, then I'm pretty excited about that, quite frankly. And I do think you're, yeah. I do think you, you know, it's, it's had significant impact. It really has in the world that I operate. Yeah. And I think like, I love to hear that. Like, cause I think that from coaching perspective. So when I think, when I'm, when I get the opportunity to coach now, and if I was to choose video games, I do get really buzzing off it. It's exciting. Yeah. Like not just for the players, but it's exciting for the coach because like I said, there's, at the start of the convo, there's an infinite number of ways of doing anything. And I think this sometimes helps us to realise that. And the world of design is just craziness. There's so much that we could do. I know. Well, just look at you, you know, 20 hours of Netflix and, you know. I know. Well-designed practice, well-designed Netflix box sets where the, the ending is got you on the edge of your seat and you need to watch the start of the next one and it immediately captures, you know, that's the, yeah. that's how we should be thinking as coaches. We want people to yeah. fall in love, be engaged in sport, learn, get better, become more competent. Then we need to think more seriously about how we design stuff. Yeah, 100%. Um, we've done an hour and a half. We've done well. It's been a pleasure. Um, As always, thanks for having me. Let's do it again in 12 months' time, yeah? A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> uh, Cheers, Rusty. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much. Take care. MC. Where can people find you? Are you on Twitter? You're the Twitter sphere. I'm on Twitter. Um, I think it's Amy Price underscore ten. Beautiful. Have a cool day. Nice one. And you. Bye. Take care.